Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. I'm Brandon Ward. And I'm Ron Jorlock. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Matters. Today, we are going to talk about shepherding the church post-election. And by post-election, we're referring specifically to presidential elections that occur every four years in our country. Post-election, which is what we are experiencing right now. Uh, this, this is an important topic that I want to discuss with you today, brother, because elections, especially more recently, can be very divisive. It can be a very divisive time for our country, mm-hmm. uh, but not just for our country. It can be very divisive in, in our churches. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and so how should pastors navigate this? Uh, should pastors be concerned about the election? And more specifically, should they be concerned about the results of the election? Uh, and if, they, if so, what degree is too concerned? What degree is not enough? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, obviously, uh, we should be concerned about uh, the election. We should be concerned about pretty much every every election. Uh, whenever we're talking about the selection of our leaders, and specifically we're talking here in America, uh, in America we are a democracy in a republic. And so we get to choose our officials uh, who will govern us. Uh, we get to choose uh, uh, what issues, if you will, will be uh, uh, at the fore, uh, what issues or, or what policies will, uh, will rule the land uh, over a, a period of time, whether we're talking four years for the president or, or obviously the different terms for our state officials and for our congressional leaders and so on. Uh, so the issues, of course, matter. Uh, and who is uh, making the decisions on those issues, of course, matters as well. Uh, the presidential election, especially this one, was, was quite divisive. Uh, it definitely uh, did its, its, its job in fracturing uh, the union, if you will. Uh, and in many ways, it, it had some fractures on the church. And I'm sure we'll talk about that uh, in, in uh, this episode as well. But in terms of the, uh, uh, the results of the election, uh, should we be concerned? We should be concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if, uh, as you know, we uh, have seen uh, on television and, and on the interwebs and so on, uh, the results uh, are, seem pretty clear that uh, Joe Biden is, the, uh, is going to be the next president of the United States, uh, there are some serious concerns that we would have about uh, the policies that he and his party uh, have uh, set in place over really the last few generations. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we would be concerned about the unborn uh, and the policies that still make it okay for uh, for uh, babies to be uh, to be murdered in abortion and and so forth. There's obviously uh, the uh, agenda when it comes to uh, human sexual Sexuality and and um, uh, people being able to identify as as you know whatever gender they want to identify and yeah. and really kind of eroding the the foundations of gender and sexuality and and so on. Uh, those are things that that we should definitely be concerned uh, uh, concerned with. Uh, at the same time, though. Uh, 
we are Christians, and as Christians, uh, for one thing, we shouldn't be surprised by any of this. Uh, sinners, you know, sin, uh, and sinners with power and authority and influence are going to use that power and authority and influence yeah. uh, to uh, uh, promote and even to um, uh, to uh, rationalize and and uh, you know sin and and so on and perhaps even criminalize uh, those who who go against it that's not new that's that's the history of government yeah. uh, the history of human uh, uh, government at the same time though there are things that I think uh, we should be encouraged by uh, in all of this and for starters uh, the church is the church yeah <laughs> there's nothing right. you know n- nothing that happened uh, on the first Tuesday of November affects that. Uh, we are still the church. Our mandate is still the same. The gospel is still the same. Christ is still Christ, and he's still seated on the throne uh, and so forth. And so, yeah, uh, I, honestly, I would have had concerns if uh, President Trump received re-election as well. Uh, so, and the reason is, uh, is pretty clear, and that is human rulers are going to fail. Yeah. Uh, so whether that human ruler wears red or that human ruler wears blue, uh, that human ruler is still human and isn't Christ. And so therefore, policies and so on are going to disappoint us in one way or another. Uh, this is not the kingdom. And yeah. uh, we're still longing for the kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I asked this question because there really is a spectrum of where pastors kind of land on this. You have the pastors on one side, which are like, you know, I'm not really concerned with that. You know, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm not concerned with, you know, who's in the, the White House or, or whatnot. And then mm-hmm. you have the other side where, you know, they're looking at every single news headlines. They're 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 talking about it on social media and in mm-hmm. their conversations. Mm-hmm. It's it's marked by, you know, who wins the election. And so there really is the spectrum of of just responses that pastors have towards uh, who wins mm-hmm. the presidential election. Yeah. And I, I think we've even seen that. Uh, now with this election. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, brother, you were pastoring in Baltimore mm-hmm. in 2016 during the, the 2016 presidential election. Yeah. Uh, what was your message, uh, the message that you shared with your church the first time you gathered together after the election? Mm-hmm. Was there a particular text you shared with the church? Uh, did you make a special statement before preaching uh, about uh, preaching uh, about the results of the election? Mm-hmm. Well, the cool thing was uh, during that time we were working our way through um, uh, through the Gospel of Luke, uh, and so it was really helpful for us as we were working our way through that uh, through that passage or through that uh, that, that gospel uh, that we were focusing on Christ. We were focusing yeah. on who He is. We were focusing on His nature. Uh, it gave me an opportunity to talk about different things. Um, uh, now, talk- did you plan that before the election, or were yeah. you already okay? So you yeah, were already yeah, yeah. in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We were already in it. We were already uh, working our way through it. Uh, it was really uh, a a good study. It was a helpful study for us as a as a church, not just in um, in in understanding Christ, understanding who He is, understanding the gospel that He came uh, to uh, to give us, the good news that He proclaimed uh, as He in chapter four. Uh, he was quoting from Isaiah 61 and saying that he had been anointed by the Holy Spirit to give good news to the poor. And that's much of the message in Luke is that Jesus has come uh, to give uh, good news to the weak, to the marginalized, to the ostracized, yeah. you know, and so on. And uh, poor in the Gospel of Luke isn't just an economic thing. 
but it's also talking about the spiritually poor. It's also talking about the uh, uh, the outcasts, if you will, um, those who have a I guess you could say a poverty of relationship. Uh, they don't have the social capital, if you will, uh, to be able to, uh, uh, to to move about in culture and in society. And that's why you could have stories like uh, the widow from Nain in chapter 7, uh, all the way to Zacchaeus, who was not poor. Yeah. <laughs> he was yeah. going around stealing money you know, from his uh, fellow countrymen and, and, and so on as well. How could Zacchaeus be in this category? Well, because poor means more than economics. Mm. Uh, uh, he, in, in his case, he was one that was uh, cut off from society, Well, which you would expect from a cheat, uh, that he would go around cheating the money. You know, Well, those are people that you don't generally want to be you know, friends with. Yeah. And so so, uh, so as he's you know doing all of that, he is even in this category of poor, and the Lord gives good news to them to say there's a Savior who has come, one who will redeem us, one who will rescue us, one who will take away our sins and give us eternal life. All of that's there in the Gospel of Luke. So yeah, we emphasize that, but we also emphasized, uh, especially during that time, the political aspects of of the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Jesus is 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 coming proclaiming a kingdom. Mm. Uh, Jesus is coming to sit on a throne <laughs> and to rule over people and in fact even beyond the people of Israel to rule over nations, to rule over all peoples. Yeah. And so those those are political statements. And Jesus came to do just that. And so uh, there uh, obviously are political implications to what he said. Uh, of course, he had, um, uh, of course, many, many run-ins, uh, not just with the, uh, with the government there, but run-ins with the religious uh, there, too. You didn't have a, a clean separation of church and state there. So the religious leaders were also the political leaders uh, in many ways there as well. And, uh, and yeah, Jesus, he put them on blast. I mean, he's, he's, um, he's calling them out for how they exploited the people. He's calling them out for how they manipulated religion. He called them out for, or for all kinds of different things. And, yeah, we definitely leaned into that. Was there anything that you did out of the ordinary specifically for that Sunday after the mm-hmm. election? One thing that we did was we prayed mm. uh, as a church. Uh, we prayed for, uh, for the president. Uh, uh, for President Trump. Uh, it was 2016. Uh, we prayed for him. Uh, if I remember right, we prayed for Hillary Clinton as well uh, as the one who did not win the election. Yeah. Um, uh, we prayed for our state officials as well. Uh, uh, Larry Hogan, who was the governor of, of uh, Maryland, uh, we prayed for him and his administration and the city and so on as well. Uh, you know, there are reasons that we, that we did that. Mm, uh, yeah. we, we did it because we're commanded to do that. Um, and it's always encouraging for to see pastors and churches doing that yeah, after the election. Yeah. I think that's a that's a good thing. Yeah, like you said, because it's it's obeying the scriptures. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I don't see anywhere in the scriptures where we're supposed to pray for the ones that we voted for. Yeah, uh, and just we, the ones. We voted uh, exactly, for. Yeah. exactly, just the ones. Um, but rather, whoever is in authority, we are to pray for uh, for for those people, and we are to pray for their uh, for God to give them wisdom. We're to pray for uh, for their health and their well being. Uh, we pray, obviously, if they don't know Christ or if their policies don't reflect that they are followers of Christ, then we pray that they would come to faith in the Lord Jesus yeah. uh, as well. Um, but but we are to pray for uh, for them and. Uh, and I tell you, there's something humbling about that as a church that says uh, your 
your care for uh, political rulers uh, exceeds um, you know your your desire for victory or for loss or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we had folks in our church who voted for uh, Donald Trump. We had folks in our church who voted for Hillary Clinton. Yeah, and uh, I definitely want to tackle that later. Yeah, uh, just that the <laughs> how you went around shepherding that. Yeah, after an election like that. Yeah, yeah, but in the end, we're Christians. Yeah, <laughs> we're family. And uh, and we are here to be uh, light into the darkness, and so we pray for all who are in a, who are in authority there. So you already kind of answered this, but I, I still want to ask it because I feel like this is a common question, mm-hmm. um, and it's really a question geared more for the you know pre-election, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's applicable even you know after or even uh, not even related to an election year. But mm-hmm. uh, I feel it's important to ask: Is it ever okay for pastors to preach political sermons? Mm-hmm. Because I feel like there's a lot, again, a lot of a, a large spectrum on how pastors answer this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I want to qualify my answer here, uh, just just to be a little careful. <laughs> uh, yes, we uh, we have the freedom to preach uh, political sermons, uh, but I want to be careful in in what I mean by that. Uh, because first and foremost, our obligation is to preach Scripture. Yeah. So what do we preach in an election season? The same thing we preach any other season. We preach the Bible. Mm-hmm. We preach the whole counsel of God. Uh, so what God has said, we say. <laughs> and and uh, you know that that's my definition of exposition. Uh, say what God said. Um, and say it, you know, say what he said. Say it the way that he said it. You know, say it. Uh, that's what we do. Uh, in the Bible, God addresses political leaders. And in the Bible, God addresses what a righteous government looks like and what an unrighteous government looks like and, and, and so forth. So when I say preach political messages, I mean preach the Bible. Yeah. And where the Bible talks about these things, talk about these mm. things. And that's good, too, because you can hide behind the scriptures because the yeah. scriptures are speaking into these issues rather mm-hmm. than you bringing the issues mm-hmm. behind the pulpit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, here's where I qualify. Here's where I qualify. That does not mean, as a pastor, that you have the freedom and the right to cherry pick. Yeah. That's and what important. I mean is this. Uh, the Bible says more than any political party's platform. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. And in the event that you decide that you're only going to touch on the things that the Bible says, uh, the, the, the things that are in the Bible that are consistent with your particular party's platform, then we've got a problem because now you're, you're, in, uh, you're actively avoiding the whole counsel of God. You've got to preach the whole counsel of God. So where there is a, uh, a breach with your particular party, if it's in the Bible, say it. Hmm. Okay, and you may have folks in your party that may get upset at you because you said something that the other party may be saying or something like that. Okay, great. So what? <laughs> your task when you stand in that pulpit is to say what God said. The bounds it, are the boundaries are not decided by political parties. They're exactly. decided by the scriptures. Exactly. There's a reason that prophets kept getting executed. <laughs> they kept getting executed because they kept saying things that went against the party. Yeah. You know, if you want to say it that way, uh, you know, Jeremiah would get up and he would say things that uh, that threatened 
the government. It, it, it you know, it, it was it posed a threat to the government. Uh, Herod, you know, uh, had, had the plan to uh, to execute the wise men uh, because they said that there was another king. <laughs> in Matthew 2. Uh, we talk about the Christmas story, but my goodness, that's kind of the dark side of the Christmas story. You know, the dark side of the Christmas story was that the wise men came in and they said, hey, there's another king in town. And Herod said, oh, well, why don't you bring him over here that, you know, I may worship him too. Uh, well, of course he didn't want to worship him. He wanted to execute him, which yeah. is why he went on the slaughter of the of the Jewish uh, uh, babies there and why the wise men uh, sagely decided they're not going to go back into, uh, into Jerusalem. They're going to head over a different route and so on because they knew that probably their heads were in danger as well. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what happened? Well, we announced that Jesus is king. And when we announced that Jesus is king, that kind of is the thorn in the side of our political parties and political rulers and so on, because that means now that they're accountable to him. Your job is to preach what Christ said. Your job is to preach Christ. And if that goes against whatever party platform, you know, may be around or so on, his throne is higher than the Oval Office. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, you know, let whatever happen, happen. But you preach the whole counsel of God. I completely agree, brother. And, and I just want to take it a step further and ask this question, because I feel like this is a question that kind of gets tagged on with that. Mm-hmm. Is it ever acceptable for pastors to endorse a political uh, candidate from behind the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, here's where I want to caution. Uh, I, I want to caution pastors against against doing that. And here's my reason: there isn't a political candidate that checks every single box that we have in Scripture. He doesn't exist. Okay, she doesn't exist. Whoever is running for office. Uh, that candidate does not exist. All right. So there are going to be things that that and any given candidate will stand for that will more than likely go against Scripture. Uh, you want to be careful as a pastor from giving your endorsement to any candidate uh, because. You don't want to be, you know, that one endorsing uh, practices that may go against Scripture. Um, So I say that on the front end, I also, you know, kind of thinking of the of the platforms and so on that they have going into office. We also have to recognize just from history. There have been folks who have enthusiastically endorsed candidates Mm. and said, this guy is God's man and so on. And then they get into office (laughs) and during their administration, uh, they do things that go crazily against the Bible. It's not biblical. It's not honoring to Christ. And now you've got egg on your face. Because now you're going, oh, man, you know, I mean, that person was really good. But now seeing what that person does, now I have to give an account for that yeah. because I, I slapped my stamp of approval on that person. So you would say it's it's better to endorse scripture Absolutely. than endorse some other political candidate. Absolutely. And that's what you want to do, right? You want to give yeah. people the framework to view these candidates. Um, obviously, we want to encourage voting, but we also want to encourage that when a political candidate does something wrong mm-hmm. to call them out for it, mm-hmm. whether it's somebody Absolutely. you voted for or not. Absolutely. When a political candidate does something good that aligns with Scripture, you want to commend them for those things, whether yeah. you voted for them or not. Yeah, there there are um, 
there are other ways that you can show your support for someone than just kind of a blanket endorsement. Yeah. Um, I will pray for you. I will absolutely pray for you. Uh, if should you you know seek counsel or something like that, I'll be more than you know happy to give counsel. I'll be gracious. I'll be humble, uh, and and so forth uh, to do so. Um, but I, I, I want to be careful with any type of endorsement yeah. because uh, I don't want to attach my name and and perhaps even more importantly to attach the name of Christ to something that would go and against And we need to make it said. clear. We're, we're saying not endorsing a candidate behind the pulpit. We're not right. saying in any way right, pastors right. cannot vote mm-hmm. for someone else. Absolutely. But recognizing that being a pastor carries a weightiness and a power and just being a good steward of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I know we've talked about this before, Brandon, but um, it, it's it's kind of the difference between um, wearing the jersey and wearing the whistle, hmm. uh, if I could say it that way. Um, I, I think that there are some, you know, uh, uh, believers, uh, pastors, and so on, uh, and and they disagree with this, and that's perfectly fine. This isn't this isn't you know doctrine, you know, or anything like that. This is just my 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 thinking on this. Uh, there are some who would say uh, the best way to uh, uh, to be in the the room, you know, kind of Hamilton, you know, be in the room <laughs> where it happens. You know, uh, the best way to do that is to put on a jersey, uh, join the team, you know, and you're a team player. You're there, you know, uh, uh, you're going through the tunnel, you know, with them. You're 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 right there on the on the team, uh, and that gives you you know access that others don't have, obviously, yeah. and and things like that. I think that we are most effective in our witness when we're not wearing the jersey, but we're wearing the whistle. Hmm. And what I mean by that is we're the ones in society holding up the standard of Christ and saying this is how we're supposed to live and this is how uh, you're supposed to govern and so on and this is what honors Christ and this doesn't honor Christ and things like that. Now, on, on a side, I understand that you have books like Daniel. Uh, where Daniel obviously was a team player. <laughs> Daniel had the jersey on. He was in Nebuchadnezzar's administration. He was in Belteshazzar's administration. He was in Darius's administration. Uh, so Daniel and uh, uh, from chapter two, I believe, his his two friends um, had the you know they had uh, uh, positions in Nebuchadnezzar's administration as well. And so I, I, I get that you know that they were there and 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 so on. But they also had integrity. And they had character and they had wisdom that there were lines that they just simply would not cross when they're in there. So if you are of the type to say, hey, we need to be a part of this party, we need to be a part of, you know, we need to be backing this candidate and things like that. There there is room in Scripture for you to be for you to do that. But I want to caution you that if you are going to be a team player, that there are lines that you just simply cannot cross in the name of Christ. Okay, so make sure that you maintain your integrity. Make sure that you are speaking the truth, you know, the truth of Scripture in that context and make sure that you're honoring Christ uh, uh, in the in the context that you're in. Mm -hmm. Completely agree, brother. So this one's going to need a quick response, but I do want to hit this because it is important. Do believers have an obligation to show respect for the president of the United States and other political authorities? I know we've kind of alluded to this answer, but mm-hmm. yes, does that have to be that short? <laughs> you can go a little longer. <laughs> you, can, you can give a, a verse or something. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was as short as I got. Uh, anything less than that was uh huh. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, yes, um, 
Romans 13 says that we are to be subject to the governing authorities. First uh, Peter 2 uh, talks about how uh, we are uh, supposed to be with authority. We're to be subject uh, to the Lord's sake, or for the Lord's sake, to every human institution. Um, it later on goes on to say, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Uh, and there, obviously, it's clear that we are to give honor, we're to give respect, you know, to them. And you think about someone like Peter, especially, because uh, from what we can tell, Peter is writing during the days of Nero. Yep. Uh, now, Nero hasn't gone full Nero just yet, uh, at least if my date is right on the on First Peter. Nero hasn't gone full crazy yet. But it's not super comfortable at the same it's time. It's not super comfortable, yeah. Uh, uh, Peter's talking about suffering and yeah. how believers suffer in this world and so on. And he says, you're to honor the emperor. So that tells me that, that our honoring of those who are in authority is not conditional on their righteousness or their unrighteousness or so on, but it's conditional on the fact that they're sitting in the seat. And so long as they're sitting in the seat, we've got to give them the respect that they deserve because we're respecting the office that they hold. Now, to respect them does not mean that we can't be critical. All right. Uh, where uh, you uh, you see um, breaking off of Scripture, where you see violations of, uh, of of what God has clearly said in Scripture, we have to be honest about those things. We've got to tell the truth. You know, kind of what uh, what Peter would say: we must obey God rather than uh, rather than men. Uh, and that's going to get us in trouble uh, because you know there are folks that want not just the respect, but they want full total allegiance, and we just simply can't do that. We can honor and we can respect you, but our total allegiance goes to Christ. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so, brother, you know, we know that elections can cause divisions, and sometimes these divisions can get really ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. How should pastors respond to church members who remain divisive and even slanderous, whether mm-hmm. it be on social media or in person, after election results are in? I know you said that you, you pastored during the 2016 election, and you had both sides mm-hmm. in your mm-hmm. church. How, how did yeah. you lead that? Well, for starters, uh, we have to remember why we're here. Um, the church is not um, uh, an affiliate, if you will, of, of any political party. That's, that's not why God made the church. Yeah. Uh, God made the church to be a light into the darkness um, uh, shining forth the glories of Christ. Uh, the church is meant to be uh, a royal priesthood. Uh, it's meant to be uh, a holy nation, if you will. Uh, again, borrowing from, from Peter's language um, and from Moses' language in Exodus 19. Uh, we're called to be uh, the witnesses uh, in our society to the risen Christ. Okay, So if there is someone who is coming in and through their rhetoric and through their behavior and so on, they are trying to turn our attention and our focus away from Christ to any type of political movement or political organization or, or political party or anything like that, then we need to treat that 
uh, accordingly. Hmm. Uh, the unity of the church matters. Yeah. You see it in First Corinthians. You see it in Ephesians. You see it in Philippians. Uh, all throughout the New Testament, the unity of the church matters. Christ himself prayed for the unity of the church before he went to the garden. Hmm. Uh, on if 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 uh, uh, his prayer in John seventeen is you know situated during the upper room discourse, uh, which I think it is then Jesus was praying for our unity. And then when he was done praying for our unity, he got up and went to the garden. Yep. All right. So, so that was on his mind, if you will, as he was heading towards the cross. Hmm. How important is unity then to Christ? And how important is unity to the apostles? So we need to fight vigilantly as pastors for the unity of the body. This matters. This is not you know, icing on the cake. If the body, if the church is not joined together in our mission, as P, as Paul would say in Philippians, to be of, of the same mind, of the same spirit, uh, uh, having the same love, being in full accord, and so on. If that's not true of us, then we, we are effectively abandoning the mission for something else. We're substituting it for something else, or at least some in the church are substituting it for something else. And for pastors, we have got to be vigilant about that. So that may mean, if we get into, say, Titus 3, uh, it may mean that there are some folks that we're going to have to take through the process of church discipline. Uh, Paul says in Titus 3, verses 9 and following, he says, Avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Now, obviously, that's the nuclear option. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that there are steps in there that, that of, of counsel and, and, and so forth. But if there's a person that refuses uh, to quit, they refuse to, uh, uh, to, to cherish the yeah. church and cherish her unity and so on, and they're causing dissensions and sowing discord and all of that, then you may have to consider church discipline yeah. because the body teaching, matters more. I think teaching them that unity matters, but yes. also teaching your people that your words matter. Mm-hmm. Not just the words that you use in public and in person, but the words that you type out. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there may be a time when you actually need to sit down with a brother or sister and say and, and point that out, that their words are not reflecting uh, uh, reflecting the scriptures and you know, refle- reflecting Christ. And so right. uh, absolutely that's on the table as well, mm-hmm. would you mm-hmm. say? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We've got to shepherd our folks to love the church and to love the church and to love Christ above all. Yeah. Uh, how does the election affect the way we live out the Great Commission and how does it how does it what does it teach us about the kingdom of God? <laughs> well first off <laughs> first off it teaches us that this is not the kingdom. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's this, easy this, answer. <laughs> yeah, this this is not the kingdom. Uh, not if I'm reading 
the scriptures correctly, if I'm reading the prophets and what they longed for, if I'm reading Christ and what he what he taught us, you know, uh, was coming. If I if I'm reading the apostles, if I'm reading John and what you know John envisioned, you know, at the end of days. If I'm reading these things, all I have to do is just hold that up to yeah. what we see in our society, and that should be pretty easy to tell which one is the kingdom. So and you which would one say isn't. that this should stir our affections. Absolutely, for the kingdom of God. absolutely. Uh, and and I'll, if I could be candid, that's that's where I've lived, you know, for much of this election season. Uh, I've I've been I've been discouraged, you know. I've had some some seasons of discouragement uh, over the last year or so, uh, especially when I see fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that seem mm. to be have gotten sucked into the vortex, uh, so much so that they are talking much more about Trump and Biden than they are about Christ. Mm. Um, uh, that that they care more about people voting than about people turning their lives to Christ. Mm. Uh, you know, those types of things absolutely grieve me, and I think that they grieve the heart of Christ as well. Uh, this is not the mission. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean it's not important, and that doesn't mean that we don't engage in these practices as citizens of our country. That's not that's not what I mean. But what I do mean is there's a pecking order here. Yeah. All right, Christ is 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 more uh, significant to us and and should be you know uh, uh, our, our, our greatest uh, a greater joy for us and a greater focus for us than who sits in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue uh, and the kingdom should matter more to us than uh, you know the, the the different things that are that are happening uh, uh, in our country or the promise of, of what our country could be through our governmental process. Uh, the first and foremost, we live in a country where the vast majority of the people in here, should they die today, they are going to face the wrath of God forever. Yep. And no president can fix that. All right. We need the gospel more than anything. We need Christ to rule in our hearts and in our communities more than anything. And, and so, uh, if anything, all of this says to us, especially when we're looking on social media and we look on TV and we look at all of this, what does it say to us? It tells us that the need for the gospel is greater than we probably imagined that it was. And, as and believers, we need to double down. As believers, we need to realize that those people that we're slandering on social media are the yeah. same people that we're called to love and share mm-hmm. the gospel with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To realize that your tweet is not going to cause transformation. It's the gospel that, that causes Absolutely. transformation. And Absolutely. not to get sidetracked or distracted mm-hmm. by those things. Care mm-hmm. about the issues, yes. Yes. But 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 be like Christ. Yes. Like, and and yes. pursue others mm-hmm. with love. Mm-hmm. Let that be the motive. Yeah. And perhaps we need to double down on the gospel in our churches. Or in our lives. And in our own lives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've got a lot of folks who name the name of Christ that now we, I think we have to turn and look back and go, do we really know who Christ is? Mm-hmm. Uh, do we really know what he's about? Do we really know what his kingdom is and, and, and what the end game of all of this is? Mm-hmm. And so for pastors, I think it, it may be a time to do a little bit of a gut check uh, for you and for your church to say, are we you know, heading in the right direction? Are we aiming for the right thing? Are our hopes in the right place? Uh, and, and my prayer is that that would uh, lead to even greater focus on Christ and on his kingdom. Mm, so good. Last question, quick question. Uh, what words of encouragement do you have for those listening right now who are so tired of the division and the nasty rhetoric that has been displayed over the past few months? Hmm. Uh, well, one discouraging thing is uh, get ready for 2022. 
Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because every other year uh, we seem to find ourselves in the exact same spot and uh, and so on. But you've heard people that have said, you know, this is the most important election of our life. We've had about 11 of those. Yeah, yeah. We, we've, we go through this every other year, you know, the most important election of our lifetimes. And in one sense, it is. And we do need to take it seriously. It is a, a, a privilege that we have in our country that we are able to make these decisions and, and so forth. But our encouragement goes far beyond this. Uh, there's a day, uh, we, don't, we don't know for sure, but, but judging from the absence of, of our country in, in Scripture, there could be a day where this country is no more. And that is the end of the world as we know it, but it's not the end of the world. Christ mm. will rule over mm. everything. His kingdom, as Luther said, is forever. Okay, And if that's the case, then let me encourage you uh, that no matter you know, what the, the rhetoric is these days, no matter you know, what people are saying and all the conflict and everything, there is coming a day where all of these things will pass away. And all that will be left standing in the end is Christ and his kingdom. Mm. Stay focused, all right? Stay focused. Remember, uh, as, as Paul would say, we do not regard anyone according to the flesh <laughs> anymore uh, in Second Corinthians. Uh, but rather, we have a message to give to everybody. And that's through Christ, be reconciled to God. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That means that we go against the tide. Because the tide isn't about reconciliation. Yeah. Uh, so be encouraged. Your work in pointing people to Christ, your work in loving folks, serving folks, laying down your lives, those are good things, and they will not be in vain in the end. Mm. All of the other things will pass away like wood, hay, and stubble. All that will remain is Christ and his kingdom and what you have done to serve his purpose. So be encouraged. Uh, it looks a little crazy right now, and it probably will continue to for a little bit. Uh, but these days are short days. The long days, the long game uh, is still intact. Christ will return, and he will reign, and all nations and peoples will bow to him, and God will lift up your head in that day. Amen. I'm just sitting here smiling. <laughs> uh, I'll say this, and I feel like this applies no matter where we are what election we're in, uh, whether your candidate, the candidate you voted for, won or lost, show humility, mm-hmm. love your neighbor, and trust in the finished work of Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, that will do it for this week. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. It is our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors to lead healthy, disciple-making churches, and I hope we've done that uh, through our conversation. And as always, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.